Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 49 of Little Things for Bonsai People. And this time I am joined by my co-host, Carmen Leskovienski. How's it going today? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Lo- long past couple of weeks, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so today's topic will be my experiences with uh, with Laurent, because he just stayed with me for about uh, 10 days. It doesn't sound like a lot, but whenever you're constantly working bonsai and doing stuff and learning new things, it's it's and it was nonstop. Uh, so mm-hmm. every day we had something going on. Um, and also we're going to talk about the uh, the time of year. We're going into the fall, so we're going to t- talk about a few fall preparation things that we can kind of give you all some pointers on. I know uh, here it's not as extreme uh, because Louisiana doesn't really get... I mean, it's actually cold and rainy right now, which is surprising. It hasn't rained wow. in a very long time. But uh, for you, you probably have some good pointers because you all have much colder weather stuff going on. <laughs> so... But before we get to that, I want to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. And you can head over there and become a bonsai best bud and hang out in the discord with all the other amazing bonsai people and talk all day about bonsai. I said bonsai like five times just now. Bonsai. That's what Don't we get the bonsai. That's what we do. So our list starts off. We say our patrons names every episode so if you want to become a five dollar best bud you get a shout out and let, let everybody know how awesome you are uh list is toria solis vicky auth boyd snow snellgrove ricky ruins joshua bentley snappy chappers joel jenkins justin knight backyard bonsai australia greenwich gardens taylor peacock chase between austin atkins karen codswell uh yuru in bonsai garden lewis torres ac castle bonsai marine J J A S Potts, Chris Fasun, and Timothy Arsenault. Uh, we also have a new one dollar bonsai best bud. This this is an awesome name. I'm gonna try my best. Uh, <laughs> you know how I am with names. Uh, Jürgen von Kumrock. Yay! I, I guess that's close. Um, close enough. I trust this is your real name, but I've also had other people in the Discord say if you become a best bud to like mess with me on your name. So. Uh, but this is an awesome name either way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for subscribing and supporting our show. It means a lot to us. It helps us grow the show. It helps us, you know, buy coffee and buy the occasional, you know, drink to uh, get through the day with bonsai. Uh, bonsai <laughs> is a day-to-day labor. It's a labor of love. So, and uh, we also now have a uh, a sponsor for our show. Uh, we we uh, have been talking to. Like the awesome guys over there at Boneside Bar. It's actually uh, Timothy Arsenal. He's uh, the founder and one of the main operators of the Boneside Bar. So we have a little uh, advertisement. We'll start running, and this is it. Can I read it? Uh, do you have it? Yeah, you sent me the thingy. No, yeah. Read the thingy, Carmen. Okay. All right. Ready, guys? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Bonsai Bar is two hours of tiny tree goodness. Disguise as a night out with friends. Come grab drinks, create a new tree, and watch as your friends and family get the bug for bonsai. Bonsai Bar is always looking for teachers and assistants, and you listen to this podcast, so you're probably already qualified. Bring your knowledge out to the bar. Apply today. Find event tickets, contact info, and more at bonsaibar.com! Exclamation point. You're so much better at Radio Talk Voices than I am. 
I can't help myself. It's so fun. No, I told I could tell that you really wanted to do that, and you did great. I did. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, we are supported by Bonsai Bar. Thank you guys so much. Uh, that is a beginner bonsai workshop pop up in breweries across the northeast of the United States. So yeah, go check them. They out. have cool headbands. So. They do. We got some really cool headbands from them at the national show, and uh, now we're like the Ninja Turtles. We got like different is colors it? and stuff going on over here. They're like yellow, red, green, purple, blue. It's pretty awesome. I'd like to suggest pink. I don't think they had, did. They have purple. I wish they had purple. I'm not sure. I think they had maybe had some, and they just yeah, hadn't been out. They I ran out. What, I can't remember how yeah. that went. So, and uh, without going too much further, I have to mention that our podcast is also <laughs> edited by Matt O'Donnell. Uh, it makes it sound smart, it cleans up the audio, and makes it enjoyable to listen to. Go over to mattodonnell.com to fill out a contact form, start your own podcast show, or audio engineering project with him. He is a set basis living in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's just an all-around awesome guy. It's written in the script, and I say it every time. So, uh, And also go over to underhillbonesightstore.com and go to Little Things and go buy our t-shirts. We have some t-shirts available. I'm very low on stock. I actually sold them pretty quick. I've got I think I've got maybe a handful of them left. So I got a lot of wearing smalls. mine right now. No way. Yeah. Look. Wait a second. I'm wearing it. You're wearing it. All right. I'm you wearing it. it. <laughs> Have you gotten any comments about your uh I went to this bonsai workshop and all I got was a stump? I shirt? haven't actually worn it in public yet, just in the yard. Oh. Not because I haven't wanted to wear it in public. It's just I haven't been <laughs> out of the yard on the days that I've happened to wear it. So yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a fun shirt to wear to a bonsai club meeting. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that next time. We got one coming up. A lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It actually is an inside joke uh, with an older gentleman that is in the New Orleans Bonsai Society. And uh, every time that we get into a workshop with him, there's people that make suggestions like, what height should this tree be? You know, should we cut here? What's the proportions are we looking for? Where's the good Nabari? Where's the front? And his answer is always... Cut it down. Chop it. <laughs> and he's an older guy named Felix. I, I know who that is. Do I know uh, who that is? No. You didn't, oh, okay. You didn't get to meet him. Uh, not until you start actually get to start hitting the road. But yeah, if you come to New Orleans, uh, you would definitely meet him. Um, and he'll tell you that shirt is his shirt. His royalties on it and everything, but he's just joking. Um, but he's a funny guy. Uh, so yeah, we will kind of just cover a few simple topics it's been a very long couple of weeks i know we're behind schedule slightly but i was uh being that i i mostly run the scheduling on the show i got behind because i was dealing with um laurent darrow uh, mm-hmm. for the past 10 days uh it's not not a bad thing at all but being louisianian and just the way i am i like to host and i like to help people and make people comfortable so if anyone ever visits i'm always just on top of the the host game and just like where do you want to go eat what do you like to drink uh have you tried this have you seen this i mean we're just in new orleans we're at the nursery we did some private study we did uh the workshops that we had with him he just he he's a hard worker i mean guy worked until he fell asleep i mean and i'm not joking like um so the real question though is did you make him gumbo we had gumbo on mm-hmm. hand, but uh, he was not feeling well the morning oh. I offered him some. So. <laughs> uh, let's just say we had a couple of uh, good evenings, but yeah, but the <laughs> the gumbo was there, but he told me he didn't like spicy. So, yeah, I know, right? So, well, uh, he's like me, so I guess because I don't like spicy either, but 
that last gumbo that I made for uh for you and Lou and and Michael, mm-hmm. that was one of the best gumbos I've made. Really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was super good. And I made it super mild. I I I think mm-hmm. I put like a pinch of like Cajun seasoning in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because the sausages that you guys have, we if uh, anyone's not familiar with with uh with Dad Gumbo. It's Louisiana traditional dish with uh, either andouille sausage and chicken or seafood. But yeah, the the sausages up there in Portland, they're like pre-seasoned. That's mm-hmm. where I went wrong the first time. It was so hot that it was like lip peeling. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like peel your lips back hot. But uh, but yeah, no, we, we nailed it that last time. But yeah, he doesn't like spicy foods. He was very mm-hmm. simple about his food choices. So, um, but yeah, he'd prefer to just eat like a salad with like a clean meat no, mm-hmm. with any not really any seasoning, but I mean it's understandable. Clean eating is a good eating. So, uh, but yeah, the the whole whole experience was positive, way more positive than than I could imagine. Um, I'm, I'm I know I put a Discord question out. Maybe I had questions for this episode because I know we had maybe we had some stuff saved up. Uh, but I only got that one question from Joel, and it basically was just about the experience of working with him and stuff. So, uh, but I'll let you kind of out some questions off me carmen because uh i mean i have a lot to say and just there's a just a lot mm-hmm. of g- generalized questions you can ask yeah sure um so for those of you who um aren't super familiar with laurent Darrow, he uh is the author of the cosmic bonsai style book um mm. and does primarily cosmic bonsai style right um, um he does traditional, but we can talk about that okay. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And I want to mention, we have a podcast episode with him from a while back. So if y'all want to listen to that, um, just to get some, you know, background info on him um, before, yeah. you know, we talk more about him or after we talk about him, um, you can do that. So um, I guess, so you said, uh, I had been curious. Um, oh my gosh. Um, 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 That's um, okay. Um, uh, so what's his background like in bonsai does he just do cosmic bonsai style or um did he train in japan or so whenever we had talked um then that was episode 41 and it was a short interview with mike and him uh but whenever we talked about his history and stuff he had um he's been rewarded in bonsai shows by like Japanese bonsai masters and stuff. So that was a very nice start for him. He told me that early on he was doing mostly traditional, like we all kind of start from that space of seeing mm-hmm. very beautiful classical trees. And then you're like, I want to, I want that tree. And so, you know, he was just kind of doing what he, what he thought was proper so he could, you know, get his name out there. And so uh, I remember one of his most, his most uh, prestigious awards he was he likes to uh, put he put it in his book was uh, one that he was awarded by Kimura at one point. And was, oh uh, wow! And he said that that was a really enlightening period for him uh, because he just wanted to be recognized and he had been doing bonsai with his father, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his father did bonsai, but but wasn't really in it like he wanted to be. Yeah. And so he said as soon as he got that award, he was he was thirty years old and he remembers. Uh, he was like, "What do I do now?" He's like, "This mm-hmm. this is an awesome achievement," but he's like, "He's like, I want something more." He has, he told me he had a, like a block, an artist block. Like he's mm-hmm. like, "Do I make more classical trees and just keep doing this?" He's 
he's like, my brain doesn't work like this is basically what he was telling me. And so, okay, yeah. And so he, uh, he ended up traveling to, um, uh, Taiwan <laughs> and, and basically starting his studies there with, uh, Min Lo <laughs> and, uh, all the other amazing artists that are in that area. He's got a list in his book of all the people that he's kind of gone to. He's worked at their nurseries. And as he would work, he would let them reverse engineer the way that he had learned and thought about bonsai and their approaches to bonsai. So that's why you see the twisty, crazy uh, process that he uses for his cosmic style. <laughs> but it's it's both Taiwan and also Japanese developmental approach. <laughs> and so I've, I've had a couple of people ask me, like, why would you want to do cosmic like that? And really, it's cosmic is it's like a process art version of bonsai, like because you're twisting the branches and the, the you're making gin and uh, and shari wounds and scarifications on it. But at any point, you could just stop and you could cut mm-hmm. back. You could air layer a piece off and make a shohin or another tree. So it's a very interesting approach, but it's not a it's not a concrete style like this is the style and this is it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want it that because he doesn't want it in a literally put it in a box. So yeah. it's it's an abstraction, but it's still his own style that he created to help people make more dynamic trees. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because I think this is really um what I think of as kind of the next step of bonsai. You know, people are always like, Well, what is American bonsai or what is European bonsai or da 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 because we all talk about traditional Japanese bonsai and everybody kind of wants to break out of that and figure out what's next. And I think this is a really good example of the thing that could be next. So you do, you know, your traditional Japanese bonsai, you become very, you know, um, competent with that. And then from there, you're able to really develop a new style. So just like any other art where you take, you know, the tradition, you learn the tradition, and then you're able to branch out from there to create something a little bit different. And so I think this is um, a great example of a new kind of style, a new way of doing things that's not really, you know, it's still based in tradition. Um, It's just kind of a different take, a different look, a different feel. So I think that's really pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And and he's wanted people to know that this is an appreciation for Japanese bonsai, but he's, he's saying basically why would you practice so much Japanese bonsai whenever you're not Japanese? Mm-hmm. Why try not to go, like you said, it's a, it's a branching, it's a literal and like a literal and um, figurative figurative approach to branching out. Mm-hmm. Because the best way he described it that really made it connect for me is he said, it's like the Big Bang. It's like it, it, it expands out and then you wire it and you bring it all in, you compress everything. Because you never mm-hmm. in cosmic bonsai you never trim. That, that's why it was one of the things that he. Oh was, really? You yes. never trim. That's really cool. So okay. yeah, he's like you never trim the tips, but whenever you're ready to start getting the tree ready for exhibition, then you then you trim back and start ramification when the cosmic is where you want it. Like if you got you can frame it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then after it's done with exhibition, you just put it back in your garden and you, didn't, and you start the process again. You just grow it out and you mm-hmm. could you could cut back really hard or you could just, like he said, you could take an air layer, do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's just, 
it's just it makes bonsai more process art which i've always loved process art approaches mm-hmm. um like one of my good friends uh uh tiffany nisbet that's that's what she does she takes pieces that she's made and then she cuts them into pieces and then makes another piece like she'll mm-hmm. have a big canvas and it'll be cut into pieces it'll be like a collage and then that piece yes. could be cut up and it could be wrapped around a sculpture she made and that can be used in another you know so that evolution and recycling mm-hmm. and reusing is really what he's talking about so it's the cosmos expansion compression mm-hmm. expansion compression you know, over and over until and that's how you get um so you set the first curve so you he said the best way to practice cosmic is the best way to just do bonsai is which is start from a cutting or from a seed mm-hmm and so when that seedling or the or the cutting takes, the first thing we want to do is give it good movement, right? Yeah. Then there you go. That that teaches you an, a lesson right away. Like you need movement in your bonsai to make it interesting or to establish a style. Unless you're unless you're doing formal upright or something that needs a straight truck. Yeah. So, but most of the time, people want to see twisted old looking trees. And so mm-hmm. the, the approach is it's a very good way to also not only take people who are not familiar with bonsai, but also for advanced people to help them kind of further that their thought process of development. Because mm-hmm. once that cutting comes out, you wire it out, and then it gets that first set of, you know, it gets the first thickening and wire scar and you do the scars on that. You actually cut with a knife and you cut scars onto the trunk in you know, you can do the classic stripe shari. You can do random shari bits, and then because uh, on his elms, he uses Chinese elms. Just use uses humus parvifolia as his favorite, mm-hmm. and so because it's so flexible and resilient. Um, and then it, more branches will come out, and he'll minimize his branch selection down, and then bring that in again and again over and over. And uh, some of the workshops we did, he did. Uh, but we have we have planar aquatica, which is water elm here, mm-hmm. and he found that species to be very very well suited for my range of my natives because mm-hmm. it's extremely flexible. It grows really fast, and he told me in some instances he thought it was better than the humus parfifolia, especially nice. for us, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah, I mean, but the only downside is it has a silvery, plain bark that exfoliates when it's older, so mm-hmm. it's not the best bark. But he said with scarification, he's like, you can make this awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh so we're doing these workshops, people are like, okay, this looks cool. Like it looks it has that look. It has that the cos the cosmic bonsai has that like scattered, twisty angles kind of look to mm-hmm. it. And uh people are like, All right, well, I'll take this home. This is cool, this is awesome. And I'm like, it doesn't just stop right here, guys. Like you don't cut yeah, the tips. Yeah, this is not it. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't cut the tips because as it extends out, that trunk, that that cutting, you could increase it times three times four mm-hmm. if you want to grow it into all that and that's mm-hmm. what makes it look like on his book cover if you see the book cover yeah um so yeah it's there's a lot to unpack with it all the stuff that all the technique and all the stuff he showed me it was there's a lot it <laughs> it took a toll on my brain let's just say that for about 10 days straight uh yeah. and mike mike traveled with him for almost a month and a half i think yeah, it was a long time. Both of you guys have just been really deep into this for the last little bit. But I heard that he's on way to see you. Uh, yeah, so he's going to be in L.A. and then, um, or he's going out to California. I don't know 
specifically where I can't remember. And then he's coming up to the Pacific Northwest. Um, and hopefully I get to meet him while he's here. So that should be pretty cool. Yep. Uh, I'm excited about it. Dave DeGroote said he's going to apparently. Yes, that's my understanding. Um, so, Maybe. yeah, I I think so. Don't so, take our word fingers. for it. I, I know the only people that are going to be in the garden at them was probably you and Michael, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is going to be like lined up, like waiting for him. Right. Yeah. But, but if I, uh, I, I assume if Dave's going to take him to Michael's, he should take him to the Pacific Bonsai Museum as well. I think he's going to be working at Pacific Bonsai for a little bit because um, I know he's going up to Marai too. So Dave I Boone. think, yeah, he's going to do a little bit of a tour in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Very interesting guy. He's a, apart from the bonsai practice and is is just hardcore like he is he wakes up and i'm like what you want to do today he's like i'm just get the wire in the trees out let's let's, mm-hmm. let's get going let's just do bonsai yeah <laughs> which is what we all do but all right um but apart from that i mean his demeanor and his personality and his you know obviously uh it was one of my first times meeting and uh and kind of working day to day with somebody like that was european so there's just different things about the way he he saw things and he talked about things uh and i was like this is actually really awesome i mean the way he approaches even just regular things like you know every day day to day um but yeah he's a really nice guy and i would highly recommend him if you guys like i said like we had the the tour listing we talked about it earlier on the podcast uh but he's talking about coming back because he said he loves touring in the in the u.s he said this is a really positive so far he's not even he's almost halfway done and he said this is so this is so nice that he's like i'll come back and i want to encourage people to do cosmic bonsai uh workshops and clubs mm-hmm. and, and and uh schools and stuff he wants i know him and mike are talking a little bit but i don't i don't want to get into that because i don't know where those that's going to go just yet but he definitely mm-hmm. wants to see more cosmic bonsai because he feels like uh in the united states especially with younger people here he's like it's it, it could catch on. It gives oh, totally. It gives younger people more time and more thought, and that's what you want to do. You want young people to do it because they're young, mm-hmm. and so they they can take that cutting and turn it around in ten years and have something amazing. Yeah. So yeah. But anyway, uh, did you have any other questions about him? Because um, yeah. there's a good bit. There's good bit things to be said, but I know. Um, I mean, I want to know. And maybe this is a, for a personal conversation. You were talking a little bit about his philosophy on bonsai, and I want to hear oh, well, all yeah. about that. But that might be for a, a personal conversation. I mean, it, it could be. Um, I know Mike could probably reflect on it a good bit if we could get Mike. Um, yeah, we I, can hold off, hold off on it for a little bit. I know Mike's in uh, in dormancy right now, literally uh, de- decompressing mm-hmm. uh, from the touring. Touring is is hard. Yeah, um, going out and running around and teaching bonsai it's i mean it's not something we're used to it's kind of like almost what we experienced with the national show it's just i was gonna say yeah it feels probably a lot like a show just where you're on all the time or when you're working with a client or teaching a class but it's every single day and that's that's exhausting so yeah and you're away from home and yeah it's just yeah yeah that that really makes it tricky yeah is there anything else you want to tell us um I would love to go into the philosophy thing, but it's kind of a thing. I we'll do a whole separate episode about okay. about mental exercises and approaches because there's a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. that can really be. I, I wrote a little bit of a I wrote an article a, a little while back, and I guess I, I would like to do a thing where I just read it 
and kind of mm-hmm. revise it. And then me and you kind of talk about it. Sure. So that would be fun. It's just stuff about how trees grow. There's some wabi-sabi talk. And, and I know back in the past, in like past episodes, me, you, and Mike have had a few wabi-sabi and mochikome uh, mm-hmm. conversations. But it's stuff like that. It just It's like a further mm-hmm. investment into those philosophies. So Cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, so how's how are things going with you out in the Pacific Northwest as far as uh, the fall and stuff? How are we doing there? Um, pretty good. We had some cool rainy weather and then we had another little bump back up to the, you know, sunny 80s for a little bit. And now we're, I think we're officially in fall now with um, like kind of daily rain and cooler temps and all of that. So um, we took our shade cloth down about a week ago. Uh, so we're getting some more light on the trees now. Um, now that the, you know, the heat of the summer is over and the sun is lower in the sky, uh, they don't really need that extra little bit of protection that they were getting over the summertime. So shade cloth is down um, and we're watering a lot less, mostly just because the, you know, the rain does it for us. But this is kind of a tricky time with watering. You have to be really on the sunny days. You have to be really um, kind of on top of things and know where each tree is, especially if it gets a little bit windy, because some things will dry out really quick when the sun pops out and it gets a little bit windy. Um and then, you know, other things will just be fine because it's been raining for three days. So <laughs> just kind of paying attention to what the water usage in the yard is. It's a lot less right now, but still, you know, one or two things will dry out. Where, And so you have to be sure to catch those. Um, we don't have to do any real protection yet for things. It hasn't been cold enough. We haven't had a frost yet. Uh, we're starting to get some leaf color change, but not a whole ton. It's It's been kind of a kind of a slow fall so hey. far um we have a little fall color in the you know outside of the yard just like in nature but not as much as i feel like we usually have this time of year so yeah it's it's interesting because i was taking uh laurent over to uh the airport this morning mm-hmm. and we had that monday this past monday we had a, a drop in temperatures and mm-hmm. it was about 46 degrees in the morning. It was crazy Ooh. cool, just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We need a couple of different things to trigger dormancy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, length of day is going yep. to be a big factor in this uh, because the sun is further or closer, depending on the orbit where we're at time of year. Um, and a lot of trees that have dormancy periods, they have the triggers that they need. Uh, they will... They will adjust to that, and then uh, the was it um, the not the what's the the chemical mm, that which retract, one? the retracting chemical. Oh, I don't know the uh, chlorophyll. Oh yeah, chlorophyll. The mm-hmm. chlorophyll will retract, and most most deciduous species will do this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when what's going to cause the uh, the fall color. And I think that's a really fun thing that a lot of people don't realize is chlorophyll is the it's the color that hits their that gives their chemical makeup that the green color but when it pulls out it's the contrasting color that makes them go to the other colors so they go to red yellow purple um bronze um yeah the other pigments that are within the leaf are able to finally show up yep they just stay there and that's what Mm -hmm. gives us that brilliant fall color um and so fall's weird because, yeah, we need the shortening of day. We need the rain 
Mm-hmm. Um, the temperature swings from day to night. Yep, the cold Low temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird because, like I was saying, I was like going to the airport, and the bald cypresses that were closer inland mm-hmm. had fall color all over them. All the bald cypresses were bronze, copper color, mm-hmm. and then the bald cypresses towards more towards the coast were still very dark green. Mm-hmm. And then my bonsai uh, bald cypresses are still green. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's 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 this thing where it's the way that we regulate water. Because I know that one of the things that we can do with deciduous trees is if we want to encourage dormancy early, you cut back on watering mm-hmm. and let them dry slightly. Um, you know conifers better than I do, so but. Uh, so with deciduous with your deciduous trees, if you want a fall color, I usually recommend people don't do any defoliations or anything later in the season because the older the leaves, the better the fall color. Yeah. The longer they stick around, the better the fall color. The, the longer it'll take the retraction of the of the chlorophyll to come back, and mm-hmm. then the, the fall colors will stay longer because if you get too short of it, if they don't harden off, you get mature leaves on mm-hmm. a deciduous. Then they will have that thing where they'll brown tip or turn a distorted kind of looking weird color it's like fall but it's not you're like oh it's okay looking and then it just falls off yeah um but yeah with conifers how do we kind of approach their fall well i think that's something that most people don't realize is that um and i want to like do an instagram post about this like normalized conifers having fall color because they do especially you can really see it in white pines and um some of the cedars that they'll they'll start to um shed their old needles and they'll turn a really brilliant yellow or orange or whatever before they you know are ready to come off um you can see this in a lot of different conifers and so i think with your deciduous conifers so your larches and your um the dawn redwoods and all of that kind of thing bald cypress um yeah yeah, they they get to turn a brilliant color too and then um that's always that's always really fun so for let's see for fall for conifers usually this is a time where we we kind of fertilize a little bit more when our conifers late summer into early fall um once it gets you know kind of cold the fertilizer uptake just kind of slows way down so there's no point in keeping it on really when it's um, or really, you know, fertilizing as they go into their dormancy, but um, fertilizing now can be beneficial, um, at least for a little while. Uh, some of the deciduous too, and then um, I don't know what else. What else for conifers for fall? Um, so with the fall color, do you have old like Japanese black pine? It's what we grow here mostly because mm-hmm. not much else works for for pines for us. But you have uh, the older leaves will turn. Yeah, right. some of the older needles will. Um, on Not Japanese that. black pine, that's kind of a different story because you're always messing with the needles there. But especially on um, Japanese white pine, eastern white pines, some of the like white cedar, um, even some of the ponderosas have dropped their needles, some of their know. old, old needles. So like three or four year, two or three year needles, um, they'll drop. I'll, I'll take a picture of our white pine right now. It's um, kind of fun because it's got that blue foliage, but mm. it's dropping one of the years of needles and they're really kind of a brilliant yellow which is cool um maybe we can use that one for the thumbnail on this episode. oh yeah we should do that that'd be cool um yeah and i know that i've seen junipers uh mm-hmm. like shimpaku will turn like a bronzy color yeah so some conifers will just turn a color 
for, you know, the whole winter. Um, so they'll get kind of bronzy. Some of the broadleaf evergreens do this too. Azaleas and boxwood, sometimes they'll turn kind of an orangey color mm-hmm. um, over winter time. And usually, you know, they green back up or whatever in the spring. But yeah, so there's some some interesting color changes happening um, in your trees. And it's can be kind of alarming at first if you're not expecting it. And, you know, some of them don't always do it. So if one year your tree looks normal and then the next year it gets real bronzy, it's like, wait a second, what happened? So, I mean, you know, keep an eye on it and just make sure that it's not actually, you know, got a disease or something. But a lot of times they'll just change a little bit of color um, this time of year. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting because I haven't seen I hadn't seen high quality bonsai with fall on them, like Mm -hmm. the like fall color on the junipers. Mm -hmm. It was a little weird to me to see that, but it's like, oh, that's just the way it is. I was like, that's actually really awesome. Mm -hmm. I like the way that looks. Uh, yeah. like, like you said, normalize the fall transition because <laughs> I think that's what gets a lot of people who are uh, early on in their bonsai experiences. They think that some of the fall color is like sickness, <laughs> disease sometimes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people who get in the bonsai and they, they have a deciduous tree and the leaves fall off. They're like, nope, oh, that's over. It's dead now. <laughs> and, and then they stop watering it and then it just kind of goes in the back burner. <laughs> Um, yeah. So keep track. So for the beginners out there, keep track of what species and what range you're in. Uh, mm-hmm. so one thing that me and, uh, me and Laurent actually talked about a lot when he was here, he's just he was like really leaning on these like know what part like where is the equator in comparison mm-hmm. to where you live because that's very important. Because I mean when you do, when you don't do bonsai. I always joke like when we when we don't do bonsai, we never care about the weather as much as we do. We never care about right. the rainfall, um, and we never care about when the frost is happening. You find yourself like picking up a farmer's almanac, yeah, uh, just to get predictions and stuff. Just goofy, you know. In late fall or in the middle of winter, you like check your phone it when you wake up in the middle of the night to make sure that no, you know it's still above freezing or that your heaters are still on. Or <laughs> do I need to run outside and? Run like they a need freeze. to go hit snow off the conifers that are still outside, or yeah, it's three a.m. But you know, I'm up, so I might as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that, and that's another thing too to talk about with uh, with fall approaching is uh, in southeast Louisiana. I don't really get snow that often. I get snow once every six years, maybe. Uh, okay. Sometimes it's like a flurry, and it melts before the sun even comes up. And then, and then there was one year we got like. I think it was like a foot or something. It was like crazy. Yeah, that's uh, wild. For Louisiana, it was crazy. But for you mm-hmm. in Michigan, you probably like whatever. Yeah, Michigan. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for bonsai, it's snow load. Is there anything mm-hmm. for newer bonsai peeps out there that should know? Yeah, if are- you're in an area that has really heavy snow load, um, make sure that your trees are not like out in it, essentially. Um especially if you have something that's really brittle because especially if it's that wet heavy snow it can sit on the branches and it can even break branches on some trees um i've had some trees that i've left out in the snow you know small trees pre-bonsai when i was back in michigan i actually overwintered them on the north side of my house right up against the porch and when we got snow i actually piled snow on top of them to insulate so it can be good insulation but on something that like you know here that we have a show ready tree we don't really let the snow sit on it for long periods of time because it can 
break and damage um, some of those branches. So uh, it's best to kind of keep your bonsai, especially if they're high quality or, you know, expensive trees out of the snow so they don't get uh, broken or messed up. But the snow itself won't hurt them as far as the temperature goes. It's actually an insulator. So Family. if you want to like, you know, pile it around the pot, kind of give it a little more insulation, that can work too. Yep. Um, yeah. So luckily we're, we're pretty far away from snow here yet. Usually we get a little snow around Christmas time <sighs> and some lovely ice. Ice is usually a little bit more problematic. It's leads yeah. to more breakage. It's heavier. Dangerous. Oh. Slipping yeah. and falling. Mm-hmm. Very um, scary. And snow load is is really interesting for us because there was that there was one year when it did snow and mm-hmm. I got so excited and I took all like my bald cypresses I I put them on the ground and I just let it just bury them mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be a very positive turnaround mm-hmm. for them so trust me if I ever got snow again here which maybe I mean we me and Caitlin have been in our house for oh, like right around over a year. Mm-hmm. And it would be awesome to be in our house with my bone my bonsai garden set up with just snow in there. Just to, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the the time when you're like picture time and you're like everything yeah. looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, just a couple inches of snow or a little dusting is always really beautiful. Yeah, I love I love bonsai in snow. It's it is great for for photos. Yeah, and the contrast is so sharp. And uh, mm-hmm. and if your trees are not tropical, um, mind you. Uh, then the snow is actually not bad at all. Like like you said, Carmen, like snow, like mm-hmm. burying them and insulating them actually will help them not freeze. The roots will right. insulate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the times that we're getting this excessive rain and we get closer to that, um, I know that the times that I've been out to to the garden out there with you and uh, and Michael is that if there's the snow and then all the, the water is oh, it's constantly like it's melting and then it snows again. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have to remove that snow off of there to kind of regulate it more, or is it that is that a struggle? No, I mean, really, the only snow that we, if if we're getting more than just a couple of inches, we try to keep it off of the trees so that it doesn't, you know, weigh them down and break branches. Um, and then knocking snow off the greenhouses is something we have to do because otherwise it could it could break it, yeah. break the greenhouse, or yeah, <laughs> it also. Um, causes some issues with light infiltration mm. um but these, these are things i don't ever have to think about here <laughs> right yeah but you know we keep a lot of the trees that are really hardy outside on the ground and you know most of the time it's not really an, an issue for those trees with the amount of snow that we get yeah uh it's gonna be interesting when you transfer back over to uh, the michigan area mm-hmm. and then we get a whole different seasonal outlook because it's yeah. it's uh what's the it's zone there? Similar. Um it's I mean it's pretty similar in Michigan. Overwintering can be a little bit trickier because you have colder temperatures and more snow, but as far as timeline goes, we're a little bit you know, uh longer season here than there, but yeah. um kind of really? ultimately it's it's pretty similar. So the the um the winters are a little bit shorter in Michigan? Uh no no no, I mean um other way in, around. The, yeah, the oh, okay. winters are shorter here in Oregon. The okay. amount of time that you can get really cold and really snowy is usually shorter than what you get in Michigan. In Michigan, it's like November through April. Our trees are protected. Yeah. Here, it's you know closer to December through March. I don't know. 
yeah. berries. Our our fall in here in Louisiana in the southeast range, we're going to talk about like Gulf Coast states. So I know we have some <laughs> listeners, and it's it's funny because we're going to talk about seasonal stuff, and we have people that are in Australia, and they have the flip side. Yeah, They're, you guys are in spring right now. How bizarre! Yeah, Can you imagine and, uh, having Halloween in the spring. Yep, everything's everything's the opposite. So it's funny yeah, for I've us seen. to talk about uh, seasonal change and stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's you know, just keep in mind, uh, mm-hmm. or you can just listen to the episodes out of order and just listen to when we talk. Yeah, other <laughs> time. But uh, yeah, if you're yeah. below the equator, if below the equator, just kind of flip everything literally around, upside right? down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for Southeast Louisiana and the Gulf states, uh, a lot more tropical. So for those that are in this range, just know that greenhouses are good, but they're not 100% necessary. In fact, I've I've moved through the vast majority of my bonsai experience and career here with little to no greenhousing for my personal trees. Mm-hmm. When it comes for when it comes to the um to the nursery, the bonsai nursery and the production um what we're looking for here in Louisiana is freezing temperatures and that's not like a constant thing. So I know in Portland uh you guys will hit like 28 degrees and they'll stay 28 <laughs> degrees all day. Mm-hmm. Um Louisiana it'll be 20 degrees. I mean it's 20. It'll be 28 29 degrees mm-hmm. like maybe once out of the whole winter season and then it'll be 70 degrees during the day. So That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's nice. It's it, it's like everyone here in Louisiana like as soon as the the temperature drops below like 80 degrees everybody has sweaters on. Like they're they're so excited. It's like it's still 70 degrees, you Winter know. weather. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like 79 degrees. It's basically still hot. But everyone's uh, like, "Yay, flannels." And oh like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> flannels in 79." Yep. Oh, it's dude, like, they It's like 60 degrees here and I'll still wear shorts and a t-shirt. Exactly. Like people get so excited because so we're silly. we're so hot here all the time. It's always <laughs> like we just came out of the summer and y'all probably heard me say it in previous episodes from this year. We just came out of the summer and it's like no rain, a hundred degrees. Ugh, sounds terrible. Um, uh, for those who want to see something really, really interesting, really fun, go over to uh, go to like Google and see if you guys can see like the Atchafalaya Basin, uh, Henderson Swamp with the cypresses, and see how low the water level got. It was insane. Mm. Um, there's old, like the oldest bald cypresses you can see from the interstate on the Long Bridge over the Atchafalaya. Atchafalaya is just a big delta. It's a big water basin um, swamp land. And uh, if you go in there and you look, there's these, this Henderson Swamp is this historical old bald cypress grove. And it's just like nothing but monster size, fluted, flared trunks. And the water got so low, you could see what um, what we call in, in bald cypress uh, culture here, bottle shaped cypresses. So they're really fat. And then right at the waterline, yeah. they get really skinny suddenly, like a bottleneck, like a beer. Oh. Um, and I just never seen that before. I was like, whoa, this is nuts. And then go over to um, look up like LSU, uh, Louisiana State University. Look up the, uh, the the pond. It was so dry. They took the water out to dredge it for the first time in years. And you could see there's an old historical bald cypress in the middle of it. And you can see the roots going into the mud. That's crazy. And it just looks weird. Mm-hmm. So we just came out of that. So hot. And now we're going into this, suddenly it's like, it's raining now. It's been raining off and on for the past couple of days and it's just like back to normal, but everything's been waiting for this rain. And so with the greenhouses here, greenhouses are great. 
but we have to be really precautious. If you guys are close to the equator like me, Florida is much more uh, crazy than we are when it comes to these temperatures in the winter, in the quote unquote winter time. So um, put your stuff in the greenhouse at, at night if you want to, but then you start doing something that we call the bone size shuffle. So mm-hmm. you, um, you got your stuff in the greenhouse, it's 40 degrees at night, and you're trying to keep that temperature up for your tropicals, and then boom, 80 degrees in the middle of the day, December. And your yep. greenhouse is 120 degrees. Get your trees out. You know, yeah. or they'll burn up. And that happens to a lot of people's tropicals over here in Louisiana as they get these really nice greenhouse setups. And they put all these trees in the greenhouse and they're like, all right, I'm good to go. No, no worries. I'm going to, I can go to work and not, and you know, that'd be scary. And they yeah. come back and it's like, it's an oven in there. Yep. Um, and that we struggle with them. that in Michigan too, especially in the springtime when it's sunny because I, you know it can heat a greenhouse up really fast and i think people always think of greenhouses as keeping things warm and you have to think about keeping your greenhouse warm but honestly i think we spend more time and energy trying to cool off a greenhouse than we do trying to keep it warm um so yeah have a temperature sensor in your greenhouse and know when and how to open it up and have ventilation and oh my gosh yeah because you can have big problems if your greenhouse gets too hot and like that's the thing with um with buttonwood. So you kind of carpus erectus. Um we have them greenhoused most of the most of the time during the, the winter because that's a tree that so we got our ficus, so we have our uh you know, our ficus mycocarpra and our um and our uh Portulacaria afra and all the other little tropicals that are like they're actually kind of more winter hardy, but we have our our conocarpus. Um, and they can't take below 40. Like if it drops below 40, they start really suffering. Um, and that's one of the things we can run in, in trouble with here is like, oh, this this tree lo- normally lives in the Florida Keys and Puerto Rico area. It's like very hot where they're from. But if they go over 100, you, everybody's like, oh, it'll be fine. And uh-huh. some of them can take it. If they're strong, if uh-huh. it's a strong tree, it, it could take it. But if the tree is weakened at to any extent, it's not going to make it. Um, I've seen buttonwoods just straight get to the point of just complete weakness where they'll drop their leaves, they're shedding, they're trying to survive, they're trying to keep evaporation levels down, and then boom, the mealybugs and the mites get them and just yes. obliterate mm-hmm. them. Uh, so if you if you guys are starting to move trees into cold frames or, or houses or whatever, greenhouses of some kind, make sure that you're still keeping up with treatment with insects um, you can do a natural biological one where people say they release ladybugs and uh, and find you know praying mantises in their greenhouse. That's great and all, but just make sure close quarters, high humidity. Think a lot more issues will arise a lot mm-hmm. easier. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but, but yeah, I think with fall color and stuff too. So. Uh, do you, what do you guys usually do like for conifers? So you're in the fall. What's your what's your mm-hmm. workout look looking like right now? Um, now is actually when we really start getting into wiring. So um, you know, everything's kind of done growing and hardened off, and um, so there's no real risk of you know slipping the cambium or or damaging um, growing shoots or whatever. So now we spend a lot of time wiring. I've got a whole list of things to work on. Um, and 
so we haven't done black pine yet that's a couple weeks out still um i'm doing some juniper work um and then trimming things like hemlock spruce um we'll do some single flush every time that i go there during when it's cold you guys are trimming your mountain hemlocks it's just so weird to me yeah 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 so we wait till all the you know summer growth is done um and when they're dormant, that's when we cut back. You want to cut back before they flush out in the spring. And, um, and then as far as deciduous stuff goes, we'll do some fall pruning starting here in a couple of weeks. We've got some classes coming up at the end of October and into November. And so we save a lot of that work for students. Um, but anything that we didn't do as far as summer pruning or, you know, the second flushes, we'll go back through and make some cuts, uh, particularly on maples. That's always a fun one because you get to strip off all the leaves if they haven't fallen off already and you just mm-hmm. have like a big pile of red leaves on the floor in the studio. Yes, yes. Um, I really love fall work. It's a very busy time. It's probably, um, it's busier than spring, but in a different way. And I, I think fall work is some of my favorite. There's just a lot of, you know, restyling and rediscovering yep. trees and pruning that happens. That's really, really fun. And this yeah. is stuff that we continue all over the winter. So um, I'll be wiring until we start repotting pretty much. Yeah. Fall is something that I think a lot of people don't realize is one of the most beautiful months for bonsai because <laughs> for deciduous trees for me, the fall color comes on and and that's your time to get appreciated. You're like, this is, this is cool. I get to see my trees mm-hmm. do, you know, sometimes um, the fall color is different. It's varied. Um, some elm trees will do different things depending on fertilizer or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I tell people, as soon as that first leaf falls from your tree, mm-hmm. it's time. It's go time. Mm-hmm. You can sit there and enjoy the fall color for a little bit longer if you want. But as soon as that first leaf falls off of there, I go out there and I, I strip all the leaves mm-hmm. and I get to wiring. You get to do, um, it's very exciting because you get to do winter silhouetting. So you can do a, a winter silhouette show with your tree, and then um, and then you can do wiring after whenever you want to make adjustments. And then, like you said, Carmen, like it's a rediscovery of of your bone size. Like, oh, this tree could be it could have a different front. Maybe I need to cut something off mm-hmm. uh, to make a readjustment. Or it's like this is this is good planning because now I can think about the pot that I want in the springtime for this mm-hmm. tree if I want to change the container. So. Yeah, it's like you said, it's busier than you think. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, spring is just like growth management. It's just like trying to make <laughs> exactly. sure nothing blows off the bench because of growth, yep. you know? So it's a, <laughs> it is a, it is a really great time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's almost azalea time too. I'm so excited. You do azaleas pretty much the same time as black pine with a lot of the old foliage um, removal and, you know, shoot selection and setting and things up for next year's bloom. So I always look forward to that too. My black pine got a lot of water this this year because it was so hot that I did not want to run the chance yeah. of it not, you know, of, it, I didn't want to run a chance at all of it getting mm-hmm. su- like suffering from that. So I had to water the hell out of my tree and now the needles are really long. <laughs> um, so... I guess I'll have to wait till the they start they start shedding and I can I can do me- needle plucking this time of year, correct? Yeah, we do. So we'll go through everything that we decandled and do um, shoot selection and needle plucking. Um, and any of the old needles that we leave on that are really long, we will 
cut back to length, essentially, of the, you know, the the new needles. The tree silhouette. Yeah, so that it's all within silhouette. We've got some pretty silly looking black pines right now with like super long needles um, and uh, super short needles on the same tree. So when we go through, we'll clean everything out so you can see it. Yeah, thank thank God. I thought I was, I thought my tree was just looking like uh, Pee Wee Herman's playhouse thing. Just I mean, ultimately, crazy if right the, now. ultimately, what what you want is to keep a small needle, a small-ish needle all the time, you know, but it's really hard to do. And so there's actually a lot of pruning of, or cutting needles in half or cutting needles during, down to size that happens with black pine during, you know, shoot selection and um, rewiring. We have some really thick black pines, too. So this is a good time to prune also to make sure that next year when they when the candles emerge, that there's space. So our black pine work involves not just selecting shoots, um, but pruning out branches and rewiring if we need to. I might need to do a uh, like a separate Zoom call with you to kind of look at mm-hmm. mine to help me kind of do some thinning on it. Yeah. Um, it's I got to have one pine in my collection because they're so uncommon here in, in Louisiana Boneside collections. So mm-hmm. but you guys never, never hesitate to reach out to talk to us about this like very particular species or stuff like that i i have to ask help from other bonsai people you know because okay. it is what it is yeah um, i still forget like okay what's the spring work versus the fall work do yeah, i need yeah, to yeah, pluck yeah. now or then or what do i cut now versus you know and, it's i always there's so pines, much to remember that you just you know it's always good to double check with somebody and i love answering those kinds of questions and walking people through the work because family. it's I, it took me years to get comfortable working with black pine and yep. finally i really really enjoy them but it took a long time for me to really appreciate that kind of work so yeah black pine is a really busy tree um mm-hmm. busy work tree and for- and that, that's one of the other things to keep in mind. And you said it's like, there's so many things. It's like, what what do we do this season? But like black pines when they're in development versus when mm-hmm. they're in refinement is just, it's flipped around too. Mm-hmm. So it's, go go look at Jonas Dupuis, uh Boneside Tonight and go look up black pine on his uh, his blog post for you guys that are newer to black pines. And just me and him did, did some earlier episodes where we talked about black pines as well. I mean, there's so many di- like, they're bananas. Things. They look so ridiculous when they're in development, especially oh, yeah. in the early stages when you've got these sacrifice branches or when you have two or three sacrifice branches on it and like half the tree is correct and half the tree is just this weird, these weird arms sticking out everywhere. It's They're so they're bizarre. Fun. They're so fun. <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're awesome. And I <laughs> I need to call my next stock of, uh, of, of little seedlings. I've got some seedlings at the nursery. They got a little mm-hmm. twist on them. They're ready to go, and they need to be up potted and started to uh, to start doing selections of sacrifice, running out, and and getting needles down below. But the the chance on them from seed is like it's like fifty percent survival rate, mm-hmm. and they start dying off. And then uh-huh. I do some bending and I do some cutting, and then I lose twenty five percent of those. And then <laughs> so yep. yeah, um, I'm down to I was up I was up twenty, and now I'm down to like five. Oh like man! Personal ones that I'm developed, but I mean it's fine. I, I actually, what's yep. what's really funny about Japanese black pines is that uh, I sh- I sent you a picture of of the two small little showins that I made. Mm-hmm. Those little guys, they they kind of came out and they got stunted a little bit. So I did a little bit of wiring, a little bit of work, and I put them into a bonsai container and just started working with them. And they are this they're stronger mm-hmm. than the ones I have in development. 
no, no, because no. they don't. Yeah, I, I, that little uh, uh, informal that I showed you with mm-hmm. the twisty curve. Yeah, it's it's like growing out branch structure in that pot. It huh. looks great. Like it's starting to get think really you're cute. Doing better than the ones that you have in development. I'm curious. What's what are you doing differently? I'm regulating the the watering differently. Ah, okay. So I'm um, I'm trying to water the ones in development a little less. Mm-hmm. So I think it really it's like the survival of the fittest. So it's like it's like the genetics of these ones are that's what and that's what Jonas told me. It's like the genetics sometimes are just not there. Yeah, there's they're, also that. Some sometimes they're just not destined to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like the sea turtles like walking up. Yeah, right, they make you cry. A How little many bit. of them get eaten by the the galls this, before they make it to the ocean? Oh, poor sea turtles. Yeah, so it that's just the the brutal truth about it. But I mean, mm-hmm. growing from seed is the most rewarding way. So guys, start more seedlings and cut. Well, that's one opinion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not growing a bonsai from seed. I don't have time for that. Oh, come on, you're you're literally my peer. You got I all the time this in the world. One, I bought <laughs> this this like pencil thin white cedar. Mm-hmm. Uh, seedling I don't know like eight years ago and I've kind of just had it sitting around this whole time and yeah I'm just revisit it once or twice a year just to make a couple cuts on it mm-hmm. and you know over time it's it's starting to beef up and turn into something but God, it takes a long time so mm-hmm. yeah I, I like I like for colder regions like where you're at I could see that but yeah. for us in like equator oh, things grow so fast for you I'm watching you guys with all your cuttings and stuff and you live like these giant cuttings everything's rooting i've got like some maples that i did last year that are still like <laughs> trying really hard yeah it's funny because i told you uh i was like i took some primna japonica cuttings and uh i was like all right so stick them and then about a week or two when they start making root then you put your wire in you're like wait 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 they got root on them already and i was like yeah they got roots on them. oh my god <laughs> like i my, stuck, like uh, four primnas this when I pruned mine earlier this summer and I think they finally have roots mm-hmm. but they haven't grown any but I mean they were really small cuttings so yeah and they um, and they they will start kicking they'll ass they'll probably take off next year yeah they'll they'll push they get the primitive japonica which it sets roots it's it's a pretty it's an herbaceous like bush tree mm-hmm. deciduous the ones thing. that you sent me that were seedlings are doing really well they're yep. I mean they're they're pushing a lot of growth multiple times a year so those yep. have been fun Make sure you keep bending those. That's uh, a callback to the, the cutting, ca- the, the the cutting, the cutting the challenge. Cutting challenge. I haven't seen a lot of cuttings in the cutting challenge on the Discord. Come on, I gave y'all show homework. Show us cutting. Show show us your cuttings right now. <laughs> no, uh, we need we need to see more little twisted trees. I know uh, I did a little bit of bending on some of those cuttings. I was there last time, um, and I remember I broke a few of them. And you were like, oh, oh no, and I was like, you have to. Oh, break. they're fine. And then I rebroke yeah. them when I yep. rewired some of them, <laughs> and they're still fine. So. They'll get better and better as you break them. That was one I'll of the things. Breaks. That was one of the things that Laurent, uh, he kept saying, uh, he's like, he because he was like, all right, when I come to see your personal trees, I'm going to break them, and I was like, oh god. But then I oh. thought his, I thought his translation was like he meant he was like, I'm going to bend them because that's like one of his things. Mm-hmm. But he literally meant break, because ah. breaking is a big part of the tissue and the mm-hmm. build up and it actually accelerates because you remember I saw this in a um, magazine one time where they were taking like a piece of rubber on a Japanese black pine and they would take a mallet and like hit the tree with a mallet mm-hmm. to like break up the fibers and encourage the oh trunk to get fatter faster and it was just goofy I was like mm-hmm. so anything to make the tree accelerate in growth but yeah we get um 
like you see Mike's post on his Instagrams where he makes the sea hibiscus. Mm-hmm. You stick a sea hibiscus, it makes roots. And then like a month later, if it's hot, the roots are out, they're on the bottom of the pot and they're crawling along across the ground looking to go in the soil. Oh my God. That's how fat they have them in the greenhouse. We have them in our greenhouse. We took them this year. We mm-hmm. up-potted up them. Uh, we up-potted all these cuttings and the roots went back to the ground again. Just oh absurdly God. fast. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's more cutting development stuff down the line as we develop that cutting challenge series uh, episodes, which we'll we'll make one eventually. But we have a couple of uh, guests coming up. I know I have Rob Kempinski. Uh, I'll be talking to him tomorrow. Finally, we'll get that episode. Mm-hmm. It'll kind of be in line with. Not, it will be in line back with our weekly release. And we also have the um, the Boneside Time guys. We need to line that up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be talking to them really soon. But let's move on to our bonsai word of the day, and then we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. What's our word? Our word is, uh, you're going to love this one. I figured we'd, we'd talk about this because uh, not a lot of people know this, and it, <laughs> we said this a few times, but the word is oyakata. Oyakata. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and this is something I talked with Laurent as well. Laurent's like, so oyakata is confused with sensei, and that's one of the things we mm-hmm. went back and forth on while we were hanging out. Um, so, Carmen, I think you know what an oyakata is. Mm-hmm. So Oyokata is like um, the apprentice's master and they kind of take on this role that's more than just, you know, your teacher. It's they're kind of like almost a father figure. They're very highly respected, um, super wise, knowledgeable teacher within your life. Um, and they're kind of responsible for for during your apprenticeship, making sure that you're taken care of as well. So um, it's a step above sensei. It's a step above teacher um, from my understanding. Yeah, that definition is actually very spot on. I've heard I've heard it a couple of different ways, but you kind of hit all the the points there. Um, and it's funny because you hear sensei in like martial arts schools, like mm-hmm. dojos and stuff. But uh, the major difference but there, as you said, like they have to make sure that you're taken care of mm-hmm. is... An oikata is someone. Usually, it's a it's a live in apprenticeship like you're doing. Mm-hmm. So they are responsible for you. You know, yeah. Or like in Japan, I think sometimes they'll give you a stipend for housing. You know, they make sure that you have housing Something. and food. You know what you need in order to survive while you're doing your apprenticeship, essentially. Yeah, but no, the uh, the oikata is something a lot of people. And we've, we've been hearing this more and more because uh, I know Bjorn did a whole series about his work and he used that word quite proficiently, uh, mm-hmm. perif- perifically, or the word is escaping me. But uh, but yeah, he said that a lot and I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't think of that. And so I've been, I use it a lot in conversation about Boneside. People ask me about apprenticeships and stuff and mentorships and it's not mentorship. It's not it's that sensei it's that master he's not your he's not your master mm-hmm. he's your over your overseer your your caretaker in your mm-hmm. journey and um there's not necessarily means that he's gonna control every decision you make either and both right he's just right. gonna guide mm-hmm. like you said like a father figure which i think is a really awesome way to look at it i you know there's something about the depth of japanese words they really just kind of hit a different level sometimes because you, there's not really a similar there's similar words in English, but there's nothing that really is quite the same. There's teacher, there's master, there's father, there's, you know, mentor, but none of those really encompass what Oyakata is. And 
I find that with a lot of Japanese words, they are able to kind of go deeper than some of our English language. Oh yeah, poetic. Very. Um, and in the and Laurent even told me when he was here that he's like, I mean, French is like the language of uh, it's like the culture of in language of love, um, romance. But it's he's got even like poetic approaches the way that they mm-hmm. talk. I'm like. You know, in in America, we we kind of have that like the the English dialect and has some some kind of stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, Japanese. You can talk very poetically, but people are gonna look at you funny yeah. most of the time. <laughs> like a lot of times, you just save that for writing. You know, like yeah, yeah. My journal or my articles are gonna sound a little bit different than what I'm, you know, pontificating yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah, and the Japanese words that we talked about, mochikome, oyakata. Mm-hmm. Uh, even some of the simple, uh, like simple like approaches, we we will do like a whole wabi sabi talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike is really good about that. About yeah, wabi sabi is one of those another one of those words like oyakata. There's just not really quite the same concept. It, it means it means so many things, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's such a simple way to to place the aesthetic and the meaning. Like you what... know how it feels, but you can't describe it. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's like that's like mochikome and uh, and and uh, and wabi sabi are kind of go hand in hand in that respect, mm-hmm. but they mean different things too. Yep. So it's yeah. Well, I have to get Mike back on in a little while um, to kind of go further into that, but uh, but yeah, let's let's go start wrapping up a little bit. Um, like we always say at the end here, go over to Underhill Bonsai dot com. I, I I write articles uh, periodically when I have the time, um, and then you can go to Underhill Bonsai Store and go check out what I have for sale there. We we're a full bones a full service bonsai nursery in Southeast Louisiana. We ship within the United States, so we'll have the tools wire soil that we make ourselves, uh, pre bonsai, some bonsai, uh, some more finished, not finished, but because bonsai is never finished, but stuff like that. Uh, little things for bonsai people t-shirts are there as well so make sure to get those before we run out of stock we have mostly smalls and mediums and maybe a few larges left um and then uh just to help mike out go over to uh, ketsunebonsai.com go see his seasonal uh, offerings he has online classes and also classes within florida that he does if you're in his area Uh, i know he just came off of uh, the tour with Laurent, so he's going to be incognito for a little while um and for you carmen Oh, you can find me um, on the interwebs on Instagram at Becoming Bonsai. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, You could check out the Purple Pot Society, which is the National Women's Bonsai Group. Um, And check out my teacher, Michael Hagedorn, at Cortegas.com. We've got uh, the seasonal classes up there. Um, I think fall might be full, but check out winter, spring, and summer for next year. Um, What else? Hmm, That's it. Studying a... uh... Uh, with a intensive with with michael or any other bonsai professional is definitely worth the time so mm-hmm. would I, recommend highly recommend um and yeah thank you bonsai bar for also being our sponsor of the yeah. show yeah bonsai bar go over bonsaibar.com and uh check out uh little brewery workshops in uh in in the uh the what was the area the northeast of the united states northeast um, and they also have other things that we can go in i think we're gonna have uh tim and maybe one of his other team members on later on so we have a little chat talk more about bonsai bar so yeah but yeah you guys have a wonderful week i know we're late on this episode but we'll kind of try to 
Keep You'll all up. just have to deal with it until we get our lives organized. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's we'll get all, back on schedule. We uh, will. It's all on me. It, <laughs> but yeah. Dude, you've been busy. Mike's been busy. I've yeah. been sick. Yeah, like it's fine. We'll we'll get back on, on, on schedule. Yeah. But yeah, we will catch you guys on the flippity something. Floppity. Floppity. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good one.